0: Welcome to Foolish Voices, a Company of Fools podcast. Company of Fools is a professional theater based in Sun Valley, Idaho, and is a proud part of the Sun Valley Museum of Art. More information on Company of Fools and the museum can be found online at svmoa.org. Welcome to Foolish Voices. I'm Scott Palmer, Producing Artistic Director of Company of Fools, and on this show we talk to a wide range of theater artists, both here in Sun Valley and all across the world about how the current global health crisis is impacting their work, about their creative lives, and about their hopes for the future of our art form. Please consider supporting Company of Fools by making a donation in any amount via our podcast platform or online at svmoa.org. In this episode, I have the great pleasure of talking with Anna Johnson. Anna is a founding artistic and managing director of Cadence Theatre Company, and is a graduate of Sarah Lawrence College, where she holds a BA in theater and dance. She was an original co-founder of Richmond, Virginia's award-winning Firehouse Theater Project. She serves as a company artist for us right here at Company Fools in Idaho and is the founding artistic director of St. Thomas Playhouse in Sun Valley. Her recent directing credits include 13 by Jason Robert Brown, Dan Elish and Robert Horn, Gloria by Brandon Jacob Jenkins, Appropriate by Brandon Jacob Jenkins, and Rabbit Hole by David Lindsay Abair. Acting credits include roles in Steel Magnolias, Rabbit Hole, Sight Unseen, and Bus Stop, all with us right here at Company of Fools. And it also serves on the board of the Campfire Foundation in Boise, Idaho. Anna, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome to Foolish Voices.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: It's my pleasure. How are you? Are you okay and healthy?
1: Yes, we're we're doing well. Um, It's a kind of hot not so humid day in Richmond, Virginia and we're just sitting here in the air conditioning um my daughter's working on schoolwork and um I'm just really happy to speak with you <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> and not be like like on zoom like having to sit on a camera but to be on the phone is kind of fun
0: like is that, that good is that better have you you completely zoomed out
1: I kind of am I mean I'm I look forward to the days when I don't have to be on Zoom because there's kind of, you know, you have to put on lipstick and stuff.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't. I might. I might have to. (laughs) And I'm I'm telling you right now, Anna, if we did a Zoom meeting, you would not have to put on lipstick.
1: Oh, thank you. I would
0: not judge you for being bare-lipped, as it were. (laughs) Yeah. So, So how are things with Cadence? Can you just sort of give... Give us an update on how this has impacted your theater company.
1: Um, Well, it all seems to be like a blur, but um, I distinctly remember on uh, March 13th was the day we had to shut down um, our production of um, Small Mouth Sounds, which was was running for a week. We got through one show we had completely sanitized the theater and we weren't even sure if people would show up for that Thursday night show and they did and they were choking on bleach because the space was so clean, but that was like the final show. We weren't able to present after that. And soon after that, all of our school programs were were um, shut down uh, because schools shut down. So um, basically everything that we, do on a daily basis had to be halted and indefinitely postponed. So um, that, I mean, our theater has gone over, gone through some tremendous changes, but um, in the end, I think this is a great opportunity for us to, to reevaluate how we do things, find new ways of, of, of reaching people and, and, and doing what we do best, serving our community.
0: So can you, can you just tell us a little bit about kind of what is the mission of Cadence Theater Company? What kind of work do you produce? I mean, you mentioned that you had to cancel some of your education work. Uh, What Mm -hmm. kind of education programming do you just give us a sort of overview of your amazing theater company?
1: Sure. Um, we're actually in our 10th year and we do um, contemporary uh, theatrical works and educational. We also do a lot of educational um, programming that um, uplifts the spirit and inspires discussion and um, serves our community, specifically in the Richmond community and the surrounding counties. Um, although we have gone um, a little bit further out into Virginia and elsewhere. Um, like I said, our genre of, we, we, per, we, we uh, partner with Virginia Repertory Theater. I'm not sure if you've ever spoken with anybody there, but they are a very well established, large theater in town, and they have a black box space and we are um their partner in that space so they have a large stage where they present um larger musicals more commercially successful plays and then in the small space where we where, where where we present we um we do smaller more contemporary work um okay. to an 80 seat 80 seat house so it's you really feel like you're in the living room or <laughs> you're in the woods or wherever you are in that space you are a part of of the experience of, of what's happening on stage it's a very special it's a very special place um so we we also um, have a specific way of storytelling it's our motto is like life on stage we we um and a lot of it was inspired by the work that rusty wilson um brought to company of fools which is where i started out and um and so if you were to imagine a film version of theater, that might sort of describe the kind of theater that we do. Okay. You really feel like you are intimately involved in the storytelling, and it everything comes from an organic space. It doesn't; it's not uh, choreographed, um, unless there's a musical, <laughs> you right. have choreography. Right. <laughs> um, But as an extension of this philosophy, we we feel like we need to. Um, Train people in in this process. So we have adult acting training. We have a pre-professional acting um, program that we have for for young up-and-coming artists, um, ranging from middle school age to high school age. Um, and then we have um, educational programs in schools, summer camps. Oh, that's another thing that was shut down. <laughs> our summer camps. The summer camps, so, right? Yes. <laughs> so. Um, so we we believe that uh, in sort of an inward-out uh, philosophy, inside-out philosophy, um, organic philosophy.
0: So that and and you mentioned that that was sort of part of your experience uh, early in your career as an actor working specifically with Rusty, right? Is yes. that that sort of approach and style of acting? Mm-hmm. How did you how did you get hooked up? Number one, how did you get hooked up with the fools? And yeah how did how did that whole connection begin for you?
1: Well, um, I went to Sarah Lawrence College and I grew up in Richmond and I came back to Richmond because my parents were living here to sort of find my footing after school. And, um, you know, I found my job, a job um, at the Supreme Court of Virginia working the in the payroll department Wow! and I met, I met cool. some great <laughs> yeah it was fun I met some great people and, and many of whom are still really good friends of mine um, but on the side I was doing a lot of acting and I took an acting class over it um, with this woman named Janet Wilson who was trained in the Meisner Technique and I met this group of people and one day we went out to dinner and we, we just decided, <laughs> let's form a theater company. So um, we formed the Firehouse Theater Project, which um, is now the Firehouse Theater and under a different leadership. Um, so I was working as a director and sometimes an actress with them and one night I went to see um, a series of 10 one acts staged at this old tavern called the Hanover Tavern in Richmond and Rusty directed those and it was a transforming experience for me to to go to a specific theater in the tavern and I didn't know Rusty but I wrote him a letter and I was I was telling him how moved I was and how I wanted to learn I wanted to learn what, how he created that work because it was so real and so authentic. And so like it, it, it completely, um, touched every sense that I, it was like a sensor sensory experience. That's all I can say. I can still, I can still see it many years later and smell it and taste it and feel, I mean, it was just a really, really amazing evening. So I wrote him a letter and he responded. So I developed a friendship with Denise and Rusty and their, and Denise Simone, um, who used to be married to Rusty and, um, and their daughter, Russell. And um, I became friends with them and I started studying Rusty's um, technique of, of acting training. Um, And I would also do whatever. I would stage manage. I would sit in the room with a notebook, anything I could do to learn his, his method. And I remember they hired me to be a house sitter while Denise and Rusty and Russell took a trip to Idaho because Denise went to college with Bruce Willis. And They came back and they're like, We have a surprise to tell you. And I was like, What is it? And he said, They said, How about moving to Idaho with us? And I said, What? (laughs) And I had to look it up on the map. I'm so embarrassed. But I was just like, What? Where? I I never thought of Idaho. And so um, I quit my job. My My parents were very supportive, but they were like, what is she doing? And I flew across the country and moved to um, Haley, Idaho, and lived with Denise and Rusty for a while until I got settled there. And the very next day, I I landed, and I was in the room with Rusty and Denise and Bruce Willis and Keith Joe Dick. And it was just all of us, and they were doing Fool for Love. So it was the beginning of my relationship with Company of Fools. So I, I just studied with them and I acted with them um, for several years, and then I got settled into the community, fell in love with with Sun Valley, Haley, uh, Bellevue, just Ketchum, the whole area, and and created a life there that um, also included so working with Company of Fools as an actor and student, and then. Um, We had Caroline, my daughter, and that was amazing, and then the recession hit, and we ended up um, having to move back to Virginia um, for various reasons, and, and so we lived in the Valley for 13 years, and so I came back here, and uh, coincidentally, Rusty was living back in Richmond, And, um, and so we came back here and nobody was hiring because it was a a recession. So I decided to try to discern what the community needed in Richmond and form Cadence Theater Company.
0: Wow. What a journey.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I really miss it. Like when I left Idaho, I remember distinctly driving away and part of my heart was like ripped out and just left there. And I can't. I, I definitely plan on coming back and at least living there part time, once my daughter is through school and and everything. I just love it so much.
0: So so it's it, it's really interesting to me that you I mean sort of the the origin story of you as an artist and you coming out mm-hmm. here and mm-hmm. working with Rusty and then sort of taking a lot of that that information and that style and approach back to Richmond. I mean, it's, it, I, I, I've said this to people before. It was like, uh, you know, Rusty Wilson feels like the Johnny Appleseed of theater, right? He just <laughs> travels around the world, kind of drops in, starts a theater company, inspires a bunch mm-hmm. of people and then moves on and does it someplace else.
1: Yes. Yes. And we're, I mean, he, he uh, works with us as director and as um, our main teacher, and I i just, my jaw drops when I think about how small the world is and how everything comes full circle and how we're all back in Richmond again, and now he's married to Lane Satterfield, who also is trained in his um his technique, and she also is um, my right hand woman here at Cadence. Um, she's our director of education, and and she also directs and acts, and she's phenomenal. So
0: that's great. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's such a it's such a great approach. I mean, I think one of the things I love about Rusty's approach to teaching and directing and acting is that you know it's all so intimate and sort of you know it has this kind of approach that that says we all need to have the same language. We all need to have the same, uh, vocabulary that working together in those tightly knit teams really does kind of elevate the overall quality of the performance.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. I mean,
0: that's, it's a, it's that very deep ensemble driven, learn together, educate together, workshop together, perform together, develop Mm -hmm. a common vocabulary, which I, which I also love and, and appreciate. And, and try and use as much as i can in my directing work i mean i thought yeah. I, I think it's interesting that you, you sort of you know not to not to turn us to a horrible dark topic or anything but your mention of the of the economic downturn and the great recession mm-hmm. uh which then sort of resulted in a lot of change in the american theater are you right. feeling any sort of uh sense of deja vu at the moment <laughs> from that period of time
1: Oh, um, well, it's definitely worse right now. Um, I, I also feel like it's, it's heartbreaking and a lot of ways it's uplifting. There's just so many emotions flying around. Um, I think for me, I, I, there are a lot of things I could never do on my own. But for me, I have this kind of spirit that's really good at creating something out of nothing. And I'm, I have an innovative mind. So I'm, I'm always, I always welcome these, these times when you kind of are in the middle of the desert and you're having to like really dig deep and figure out what can we do next? You know, what can I do next? Like I look back, it like when I started Cadence, and I was like, how in the world did I do that? <laughs> Starting a nonprofit is so tedious. There's so much paperwork. You have to, you know, write essays to convince the IRS that you, you can be a nonprofit. I mean, it's just a lot, and sometimes I wonder how I had the energy to do that, but now I feel like I have more energy now to try to, to figure out how can we still serve our community, especially especially the young people who are every day need attention. So um, this is definitely not, you know, the the recession back then is isn't anywhere near what we're going through now.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I love that. I think you, you know, I've been I've been saying to people for weeks now, you know who the best people in the world are to deal with global crises. It's theater people because we yeah. we have been overcoming hurdles and challenges, perhaps not to quite to this extent, obviously, um, mm-hmm. for hundreds of years, uh, and we also know how to make things work. Um, you know, make things look like $50,000 with 50 cents, right? Like that that is our job is to be thoughtful and creative and and try and figure out how to overcome these kinds of hurdles. I do do think it's interesting that one of the things, you, you know, you mentioned George Floyd in the protests. And I wonder if you've thought a little bit about whether or not the sort of overlapping of a global pandemic and also a sort of massive social justice movement to protect and advance the lives of, of Black people in this country. Mm-hmm. is that Does that add more complexity or is it going to be harder to make change as a result of that? Or is it in some ways, is it kind of not a perfect storm for theater?
1: Well... We have a committee meeting set up on Zoom <laughs> coming up um, with with a group of people on our artistic committee, and what we're what we're hoping to do is is to discuss, um, you know, perhaps commissioning some site specific work um, that can happen around Richmond or Virginia that 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 explores the history of racial violence um, in Virginia. Um, we, um, I don't, I can't remember the name of this, um, work, but it was a work written by Neil Labute, and it was commissioned by, um, a theater in Baltimore. I can probably follow, I can't do it right now, but I can follow, I can send you the link. Um, and it was a short play that was, um, staged Um, outside where um, somebody had been murdered and it was a discussion between two police officers and it was filmed, which was, which was great because they were able to reach more people that way. So we're, we're discussing um, this whole sort of project and whether or not it could work in Richmond. And certainly anything we do outdoors would be a lot safer um, with, you know, we're not like in an enclosed space with a bunch of germs. We, so um, we're going to be exploring exploring that and exploring how we can we can dig deeper as artists, um, as leaders, and and try to um, make some change. Hopefully. <laughs> um, so, yeah. When when COVID hit, um, I initially felt like the United States is so vulnerable right now, like everything's shutting down. Nobody's employed. (laughs) I mean, there are a lot of people who are employed, but so many people have lost their jobs. And, um, I was actually worried about more about terrorism. Like when, when, when this happened, I was like, this is the perfect, this, this seems to me to be the time when somebody who may want to take advantage. And then, it's, it's been just the opposite. It's been an internal revolution. It's like something's happened, occurred that will be for the good. And, and so we're all, we're all in this together. We just need, we need to like take it day by day and, and figure out what we as a community need to do in order to help others.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting that, you know, the the impetus for you to explore a piece sort of around police violence or whatever and to Mm -hmm. do that outdoors it's sort of you know it's sort of taking care of two challenges that the two challenges that we face site-specific work outdoors you know that that's been a huge recommendation from for a lot of theaters is to sort of say look we we don't really know if we can go indoors and if we can go indoors we don't know if we can get very many people inside a theater Uh um so and on top of that we're all now so many of us in in the american theater are trying to figure out how we can use our artistry to advance the the goals of social justice <clears throat> sounds like you're kind of hitting getting two birds with one stone there right you're you're mm-hmm. you're looking specifically at programming that responds to the political moment that we're in and the social justice movement moment that we're in but at the same time also responding to the fact that who knows whether or not we can actually get people inside a theater, right?
1: Yes, yes, until there's that, um, you know, vaccine and testing for now.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm excited about those possibilities as well. I think, you know, again, being thoughtful and creative and responsive. you know it's exactly the way i think that a lot of us are going to need to be thinking about our programming i mean are you are you at all concerned about you know about what this means for the future of our art form i mean you know we've been doing this a long time anna and uh it's never it's never been mm-hmm. quite this way before um mm-hmm. what do you think this all means for the future of theater
1: um well, I don't. Long term, I think we'll be fine. Short term, I mean, um, over the next year or two, I I feel like we're going to have to get creative to continue to serve our community. And I think a lot of that is going to have to do with what work can we do virtually, and and the quality of that work, and also. Um, you know, now would be a great time for writers <laughs> to create work and, and to workshop work. Um, and figuring out um, online ways to, for for edu- online um, platforms for education as well. Um, we have, our season um, is, potentially being postponed until 2021 that Mm -hmm. that isn't public so um i i can't say like i don't record it (laughs) but in um but our season is 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 probably going to have to start next march and continue through next summer versus fall through um the spring so we're kind of like stopping time, moving everything up, and and then we'll be performing live. Hopefully, with the with maybe the option of of having a videotape performance for patrons who feel like they can't be in the space. Um, so that's what we're looking at now. But in addition to that, we um, we have a lot of other programs that are. Um, uh, we, we would be able to create um, virtual options for those programs. For example, we have a pre-professional actor training program with kids. Well, in the fall, if we can't meet in person or if we can only meet in very small groups, what, what we thought we would do is do an online um, educational program that deals with self-taping and being able to um, create auditions for film and doing um, Skype auditions and private lessons over Zoom or Skype. So it's almost like kids are being forced (laughs) to to learn these techniques on their own. Um, And then possibly after the, you know, after the first of the year then we can resume our in-person classes it just depends i mean we every day it seems to change and we just have to follow what the cdc recommends but um so that's one program that there's been a ton of interest and we are we're really excited that the the parents are and the students are still wanting to to continue their training Um, we had we normally do this huge summer camp program in August, which was canceled, and we decided to do a program called Jamming in July, which is um, we're going to be presenting Annie Junior and High School Disney's High School Musical Junior um, with online rehearsals with a great team, and then they will be the kids will be. Performing it live outdoors, and we have commissioned a group of professional um, filmmakers to create um, a very high high quality um, version of the taped musical for friends and family.
0: Right. So,
1: so they will be performing live, but probably only for the crew <laughs> filming. Right. But, but we've had a great response in you know there too. I mean. You, the days of an all-day camp are not happening this summer in Virginia, at least. But we can capture these these youth for at least an hour and a half every day for a musical um, rehearsal. Um, and then we also are doing a, a straight play as well, Snow Angel um, by David Lindsay Bear. And that will have the same format. So um, the outdoors is is becoming our friend (laughs) and um hopefully you know these kids will have a memorable and very positive experience
0: Um, yeah it's what it's one of the things (laughs) one of the things that drives me nuts and it makes me so worried is what what are we doing to future actors future performers future theater makers in this time right like the idea that that people are going to have to learn how to audition on Zoom, they're going to have to learn how mm-hmm. to record their audition tapes from the house. They're going to have to learn how to read sides with other actors on Zoom, um, and you know we didn't we didn't know we were going to have to prepare all of that training for people, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I'm so glad that you guys are doing that. Um, that I, I think that's amazing. I think it's going to be super important and obviously really useful for emerging artists who are kind of finding themselves in this moment, not really sure how to, how to respond. So good job, you guys. That's great. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Well, we, as part of our educational program, we do have, um, an on-camera acting, um, uh, like less, it's not, not even a lesson. We, we partner with Arvald Casting and they, and they provide a lot of training for on-camera acting. So we are committed to that. Um, art form. So this is just um, a way we can even go further into it. And it'll help the kids in the long run because a lot of times the paid work in, after you graduate is going to be in that um, arena versus versus only theater. You have to make sure that you can do it all. And, and theater Theaters are doing more and more um, online auditions or or self tape auditions as well. So to be able to produce something that is high quality will be uh, really good for the kids.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the other, the other. Sorry about my dog. That's okay. Picking up on your tape. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um. So the other thing um, is the other thing that we've been doing. What we have is is a very successful program called the Pipeline um, New Works Fellowship Program, which is a very small program, but it's, it's for Virginia writers. And we have five fellows. Um, I mean, sorry, four, one, two, three, four fellows working with David Lindsay, a bear. Um, and they've been working with him for, for two years, almost um, on writing um, new plays. And that program is actually still going strong because because of the nature of it because he lives in Brooklyn and these writers live in Virginia or have most like only recently moved to New York to pursue their careers um that program seems to be doing really well so we can be really thankful for that um we are are we were supposed to have our world premiere of cross stitch bandits which is the first work produced under this this program and that's part of that season that's being pushed further and further but once it happens it's, it'll be really really good yeah that sounds that's, great yeah um let me see what else oh we're launching a youtube channel for youth um so that'll that'll be (laughs) that'll be really fun too um we've been collaborating with a local university in town um virginia commonwealth university and students from vcu arts cinema um are also sitting at home wondering what they're going to be doing because nobody's doing film shoots but what we've what we've done is we've we've developed a reality television series called quarantine We have a YouTube channel called Cadence, K-D-E-N-T-S, TV, um, which is actually going to be launching next week. And it will be serving as a platform for youth to channel creativity. And our first... our first series is a reality TV series called Quarantines, where teens um, talk about life in quarantine, and it's everything from taking AP exams at home to cooking, cooking to making friendship bracelets, um, to creating TikTok videos, to taking ballet at home. I mean, it's it's pretty much everything. But they're really really fun, and we we look forward to giving young people more opportunities to do more work in the arts virtually <laughs> that's and it's fun they they're really they're fabulous,
0: fabulous that's artists. that's incredible well yeah. i i mean i love i love the fact that cadence and, and your team are thinking being so thoughtful about what, you know, what are the, what are the useful things for us to be doing for emerging artists and for people who are struggling to figure out how to remain within the performing arts. I -hmm. love that. It makes, it makes so much sense. And, and uh, I hope, I hope everybody who listens to this podcast um, steals as many ideas of yours as possible, but gives you credit uh, if that's okay.
1: Please. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Or, you know, if Company of Fools ever wants to collaborate with us, we love you all so much. Yes, I
0: mean, we absolutely, you and I have been trying to find a time to make that happen and have a conversation about that. So, you know, yes. a lot, lot going on right now, Anna, maybe we should have a call next week and we'll figure out what we can do <laughs> together. I love that. Yes,
1: please. Great. My, my calendar's open.
0: Good. I will, I'll, I'll reach out after this. My name is Scott Palmer and I am producing artistic director of Company of Fools and you've been listening to Foolish Voices, a podcast in celebration of a wide range of theater artists, both here in Sun Valley and all across the world. If you have enjoyed my conversation with Anna Johnson, who is founding artistic and managing director of Cadence Theater Company in Richmond, Virginia, please consider supporting Company of Fools by making a donation in any amount via our podcast platform or online at our parent organization, that is the Sun Valley Museum of Art, at their website, which is svmoa.org. Anna, I will make sure to also put a link to the Cadence Theatre Company webpage. And if you have any other links that you want me to share uh, on the description of this podcast, just send them to me by email and I'll make sure that I put those up so people can track what you and everyone at Cadence are doing.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to speak with you. It's been so much fun.
0: Thank you so much. And it was lovely finally having a chance to talk with you in person. And we we will follow up about collaborations shortly.
1: Thank you. Thank you,
0: and take care. Say hi to everybody in Richmond for us. I will. Okay, bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye.